BBC put a, an article out that 26% of Christians in the UK don't believe that Jesus died and resurrected again. Um, and then somehow um, they think it's good because actually 82% of Christians that go to church do. As wonderful as this is, <laughs> would somebody slightly move the cross? Mike, before you sit down. And I don't know what they do uh, with, without the cross. And apparently it comes, actually just put it all of the way, because I like to move around. Somebody just watch him, health and safety. That's great, Mike, thank you. And they find it so difficult to accept that Jesus suffered on the cross and that a father who, who is love would send his son. And I get that. I love my kids. I love them so much. So much. And yet, to do away with the cross because it's difficult, I just find hard to comprehend. Hard to comprehend. And, uh, yeah, Jesus, we thank you that you died on the cross. You know, the, the Guardian, not that I read it, but when you post it on Facebook, you kind of see it, put an article out that says that there is more um, factual historical proof for the existence of Jesus than there is of King Arthur. In fact, no, no ancient, they, they can't find any discussion around the time of Jesus that suggested he didn't exist. They call him a sorcerer, a scoundrel, the so-called Christ. They even recognise that a man named Jesus was, was, was executed under the reign of Pontius Pilate. Yet some people struggle with the idea of a father letting his son die for such a bigger, bigger picture. And I guess when we only focus on the here and now, on this temporal body, then that perhaps is too hard to comprehend. But when we realise that actually what, what Jesus did set us up for eternity, 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 it, it kind of falls into perspective. Anyway, that's not what I want to talk about this morning. Um, I'm going to start. I, I, I very kindly asked Stan if he would um, not preach next week, but preach on the 5th, because I felt that there was... Um, something to bring afterwards, so I'm going to talk about what I'm going to share next week before we come on to set this up. This is uh, the, the book of Acts in chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the fathers put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly, steadfastly towards 
heaven as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel who also said men of Galilee why do you stand gazing up into heaven this same Jesus was taken up from you into heaven will also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven and there's just this picture and there's this sense because actually we should really celebrate because not only did Jesus overcome death do you know it's the only religion that is said to have beaten death yeah it's the only religion that can truly say that their God is alive how do I know that I hear him talk to me I feel him embrace me yeah and the Holy Spirit moves through me as he does you and that there was so much that he's done and that we should celebrate and I'm so glad that actually the world keeps this as a secondary Christian festival unlike Christmas that has been hijacked because it means the church can really celebrate it because in some ways for me this this is far bigger than Christmas yes he had to come Jesus had to be born he had to be born of a virgin so actually he was in the right place to settle the justice issue because we have a God of justice but what he overcame here actually was for all for all time yeah it says that the that the veil was torn in twain in the King James and we have complete access to Father God and we should enjoy it but you get the sense that they were there standing gazing up into heaven thinking so is he coming to come back now and steadfastly I've got the sense that they were there for hours and while they're having a party in heaven Jesus keeps getting distracted now this is not in the word this is just me okay Jesus Jesus keeps getting distracted because he can see them waiting there and I imagine it because actually I got distracted by something earlier on and I couldn't enter in it's like I'm trying to enter into this party but he's distracted and in the end he says look look Gabriel can you go because Gabriel brought the word yeah can you go and tell him to get 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 on and do stuff and actually we cannot stay here in this place of party because God has given a mission God has given us a mission and an assignment not only are we his representatives no we are his representatives here on earth but we need to be sharing this good news we need to be right actually where the rubber hits the road we need to be doing the community lunch but bigger differently further afield we need to be the one that gives a cup of water because when we do it in Jesus' name it has something else we need to be feeding the hungry we need to be clothing those who are homeless we need to be seeking out where there is injustice and standing for justice not in our own name not for our charity but in the name of Jesus because it is these things that then cause us to listen cause people to listen to the message that we have so next week I want to talk about actually our responsibility with what God did on this day Amen Amen so as, as as well now that the average church attendance is 1.6 a month in the UK I thought I'd better tell you so you can break the average next week you can break the average by coming back Amen Amen and, and I, I, I thought about so, so what do I talk about this morning Easter Ben Easter yes <laughs> but there's there's so many different things we could talk about D Derek Prince talks about the great the, the, the divine exchange Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven Jesus was wounded that we might be healed John Piper talks about the reasons Christ came to die to give us eternal life for all those who believe in him to bring us to God to take away to take out to take our condemn our condemnation that to be a typo somewhere come on it's me 
<clears throat> and I thought, Lord, what, what, what do we want to bring this morning? <clears throat> and as I was praying, I was here on Friday and just spent some time just with God. I, I, I want to acknowledge all of those things. You know, it was so good that we brought the cross round and it's not tucked out of the way because the cross is our symbol. Yeah, it's, it's actually what Jesus did in bridging the gap. What Jesus did in bringing us to man. And he died and he rose again. That's what we believe here. That's what those three people understood we believe and that they were coming to. And they said, yes, I want to call this my spiritual home. But I want to look at the fact, what did I call it? That he has the keys. That he has the keys of Hades and death. And I want to look at what was lost right at the beginning of creation and how Jesus actually overcame the devil and won it back for us. Amen. And we're going to go through some scripture and then we're going to end on Jesus beating the devil, stripping him of his authority and power and giving it to the church. And now church is for us to go out and do something with what Christ has done for us. So let's look at some scripture. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. I want to look specifically at subdue and dominion. Because those are some of the things that were lost after man fell. And I want to go through some obvious scriptures, because actually in some of my research, but not for this this morning, but in some of the reading I've done, and we want to read both sides of an argument, of a story, I've read some really interesting interpretations with what's going on here. And so I'm not going to assume that we all know, and I'm not going to assume that we all think that the interpretation that I understand is what you understand. So you may think, gosh, Ben, we're going through some basic things. So let's have a look at subdue. Strong's H3553, H stands for Hebrew, and it is kavesh, kavest, kavest. That is subdue, kavest. Must be a silent B. And it means bring into bondage, keep under, make subservient. So be fruitful, be multiply, subdue. Subdue, bring into bondage, keep under, make subservient. Uh, where are I? Was that stopped on you? Dominion, Strong's H7287, Rada. Rada, you've got to roll. Yes, not everybody can roll, but Rada. Rada, which means to rule, to tread down, to dominate. God put Adam and Eve, put mankind, Hadam, Ha-Adam, mankind before the creation of woman. Mankind was to multiply. First was to be fruitful. We think that means to have lots of children. It does, but it's further than that. It's actually to produce. It's actually to toil the land. It's actually to look after. Be fruitful in doing stuff. Work. Multiply. That's definitely having kids. Yeah. It then talked us to subdue and to, and to have dominion. God put mankind right into the middle of a fight. Right into the middle of a battle. Genesis 2, and the Lord gave 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but, you, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. I want to look at die. So I had some reading that says, well, they didn't die. They ate the tree and they didn't die. The trouble is the scripture says die. And die means, I've got the actual, muff, muff. Muff, to die as a penalty, to be put to death. So this is something that is happening as a result of something, to perish as a nation. You get that sense that by one man's sin, all sinned, and to die prematurely. So this isn't a death of old age. This is actually now something that was not meant to be, not in the plan, not the right time as we understand death, because we all die. So death prematurely for us is actually dying before perhaps when we're quite young. But because it was never meant to happen, it was done as a penalty. And the further you get down, the, the, the more wisely you have to use it. But the scripture is clear. If man ate of the tree, he, he, he died. And I believe that sin, the wages of sin is? Therefore, when... When Adam disobeyed God, death entered his being. And it says that they lived for hundreds and hundreds of years, whether or not that is literal or figurative, it matters not. The fact is that man died. And I don't believe it was in, in God's plan too. Genesis 3, I'm going to read it from here so I don't have to stretch. However, God still, right at that point of fall, right at that point of fall, still brings a promise. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, <clears throat> you are accursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and and you shall bruise his heel. Right at the beginning of the fall, the promise of the coming Messiah is there. Yeah, your, your seed will come. Yeah, and he shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. Now, some people, again, in the reading I did, say, well, it never says the serpent is the devil. It never says. But there are thousands of years of scholars who have researched the original scriptures far better than I have that says it does and then actually I have no trouble when I read in Revelation 2.20 he laid hold of the dragon that serpent of old who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a, a thousand years so I believe that the serpent here is the devil whether you want to see Je Je Genesis 1 through 11 as figurative or as literal yeah that old serpent the devil Satan. I want to check. No, I haven't. But look at this then. So think about what God gave us before the fall. To, to multiply, be fruitful, subdue, and dominion. I've not got a slide for it. My apologies. But Genesis 9.1 says this. This is after the flood when, when Noah is out of the boat. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful, okay, this is remembering now, back to Genesis 1, and multiply, yeah, and fill the earth, and stops. What's missing? Dominion, subdue. We've lost it. 
It's gone. That right to rule, that right to dominate and tread down and actually win over, over the enemy has been taken from us. And just as Derek Prince talked about the divine exchange, what did mankind lose? Power to subdue and have dominion. What did he gain? Death. There was an exchange there that had gone on that we'll see in Scripture. Jesus puts right. Jesus puts right. So Jesus dies on the cross, and Ephesians 4 tells us that he ascends. No, he descends. He actually descends into the deepest parts, into Hades, and collects the captives. He set captivities free, and he gave gifts to men. We haven't got time to go there, but have a look at Ephesians 4. So Jesus dies on the cross. He breathes his last. It is finished. It is done. He descends, as Ephesians 4 tells us. And Psalms, one of David's Psalms, is a messianic psalm, and he talks about, where will you leave my soul in Hades? So we know that actually Jesus descends and goes into Hades and collects the righteous dead. Have a look at in Ephesians 4, he welcomes in, first of all, the, 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 the dying thief on the cross, okay, and actually ascends, sorry, and actually descends and collects the righteous dead. And then actually he ascends to the Father. But I ask myself this question, is there anywhere in Scripture that shows the devil defeated? Is there anywhere in Scripture that shows the devil defeated? And even though theologically I can't, I, I can't prove it, I think it happens as Jesus is ascending to heaven. So I read there in Acts 1 that Jesus ascends. And I think there's some evidence certainly in Scripture where actually Jesus defeats the devil. Colossians 2. Let me just go back so you don't... Read it. We've studied Colossians together over a year ago now. Paul is writing to the church after receiving a letter from Epaphras, who asked for help in dealing with some false teaching. Careful reading seems to suggest that the teaching was that Jesus was not fully God and not fully man, but some sort of semi-divine being. Paul lifts Christ up in all things, says Christ is central to everything and demonstrates that through script through scripture and then we come to this passage here in chapter 2 verse 11 in him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in work in the working of God who raised him from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive with him. This is actually talking about our, our conversion. We died with Christ, and therefore we raise and are resurrected with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Listen to this. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectac spectacle of them, triumphing over them. This is where actually the devil, def Jesus defeats the devil. As part of that is actually the accusation against every single one of us is dealt with here in that scripture, and he's nailed to the cross. Paul actually makes the cross central 
central to the forgiving of your sins, central of the cleansing of you here in this scripture. But what is interesting is, is according to Terry Law, um, who's the founder of World Compassion and studied at Oral Roberts University, he says there is a Latin word in a Greek text. Um, if you look at Colossians, yeah, where it says, having disarmed. If you're in the King James, it says spoiled. Having spoiled principalities and powers. Who are principalities and, uh, and powers? Demons. Satan. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of the air. And, and Strong's G, because it's in the Greek half, even though it's a Latin word, apparently. 554 says... Um, says that, I knew it, hold on, apec duomai, apec duomai, apec duomai, and it means wholly putting off, separation, stripping of oneself, despoil and disarm. This, this causes us to have a closer look, a Latin word in a Greek text. And Terry Law talks about it as this. He says, an apec duomai, this was a Roman armistice signing ceremony. When an army was defeated in battle, the conquering general would demand the defeated general would attend this ceremony to sign papers of the peace called an apec duomai. The two armies would face each other, all dressed in their regalia. Can you imagine it? The, the generals would have their medals on. The Roman general would have his massive helmet. There would be standards on either side. And all the armies would be presented. The two armies would face each other, the generals in all their regalia. Now, what is interesting is that when America defeated Japan in World War II, hang on, Ben, the, the General Douglas MacArthur on board the USS Missouri in Tokyo on the 2nd of September 1945, who was a scholar in Roman history, actually took us th them through an apic duomai. There are all the armies in the harbour of Tokyo. All were there to watch the signing ceremony of defeat. There they are, dressed in their regalia. There's the table with the papers. Each general would line up in front of one another, all their key aides on either side. The first general would sign papers of victory. There's MacArthur signing the papers of victory. The second general, the papers of defeat. The drums would be rolling in the background. The armies would be murmuring. This was exciting for the conquering armies. This was hu humiliating for the conquered. The cheers and the drives would be going. The conquering general would step up to the defeated general and say some specific words according to Terry Law. I couldn't find the medal, but a I couldn't find the picture, but apparently MacArthur did this. Came round, stood in front of the Japanese general and ripped his medals off. This is a picture here of Paul telling us that Christ, 
did this ceremony, whether it's literal or figurative. This is what Paul is trying to get across to us. And the conquering general would rip the medals off the chest and would say something like this. Every territory you control is now mine by right of conquer. Every name that you have been known by, my name will be greater. All this will happen because I have defeated you on the field of battle. Your, your, your lands are now my lands. My name is now greater than your name. This is called an apic duomai. This is the Latin word in a Greek text, and we should think about this, whether it's literal in the spiritual realm, but Paul is trying to paint a picture. Do you see how Jesus has completely stripped and disarmed Satan and the devil? Imagine Jesus ripping the medals off Satan's chest and declaring every territory that you stole from me is now mine by right of conquest. Every name that you have ever been every name you have ever carried is now mine and weakened by right of conquest. Your name was Lucifer, Daystar. I have a greater name. My name is Bright and Morning Star. Your name is Liar and Father of Lies. My name is Truth because I am the way, the truth, and the life. I saw you fall like lightning, and, but I am the star that shines from the east and to the west. I am the light of the world. Your name is Deceiver and Tempter. My name is Lawyer and Advocate, and I will sit at the right hand of my Father and intercede on behalf of my brothers and sisters. Your name is the Prince of the Power of the Air. My name is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and I will reign forever. Amen. You were a Son of God. I am the Son of God. Can you imagine heaven on their feet cheering and clapping? Can you imagine it? Far better than we just did. Can you imagine it? Can you picture it? Now let me just go a bit further, okay? Now it's called Death and Hades in Revelation. Apparently ride a horse. So if they can ride a horse, then my God, Jesus, can ride the biggest horse ever. And I want to imagine him riding with the righteous dead behind him up to the pearly gates. Up to the pearly gates and he declares this. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of kings of glory shall come in. And there's a voice that comes back. Who is the King of glory? And the voice of God, of, of Jesus replies, the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up you, your heads, O ye gates, and lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. The gates are opened. The angels lining the streets, cheering. They're streamers like you've never seen before all over the place. They're getting in Jesus' mouth. Do you know what happens? He's trying to look cool. And he's there. And he's happening. And then he's the most amazing party that you've ever seen. And Jesus bearing the spilled blood ready to come into the Father's throne. To pour the blood on the altar so the blood could cover our sin. For the first time, Sinful man had a legal right to be in the presence of God. I think Leviticus 16 talks about that only the chief priests would prepare for the whole year to be able to go into the Holy of Holies. And actually, if they were not right, they would be struck down dead. It goes into great lengths of the bells that they would wear on the bottom of their robes and the rope around their waist if they were not righteous, if they were not pure, and they couldn't hear the bells, they'd pull them out dead. 
Jesus now sprinkles his blood on the altar and the veil is torn in two. I said the veil is torn in two. There is complete now, no separation between God and man. That's what Jesus did on the cross. That's what he did. There is now no separation for the first time. Can you imagine those righteous dead? For the first time, man has a legal right to come into the throne room. It says, bold, I can approach your throne. This is incredible. This is awesome. It is really done. It is finished. It is complete. Satan is defeated, and we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and now we can come right into the Holy of Holies. Do you know why? Because we're priests. We're all priests now, and we all have that right to come into the presence of God. That's the good news. That's the good news. Don't add stuff onto the gospel that wasn't there. I'll come to God and he'll sort my job out. I'll come to God and he'll sort my relationships out. I'll come to God and he'll fix and sort everything out. Those are baggage that we seem to ask the gospel to carry. The good news is that we can come into the very presence of the Holy God. The Holy God. And kneel at his footstool. That's good news. That's good news. And as a result of that, we will never die. Do you know that? We will never die. Just in closing, so Romans 6, 8, so I looked and behold a pale horse. There's the horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death. Do you see the capital D? Do you see the capital H? What do you have a capital at the beginning of? A name. These, I believe, in Scripture denote personalities. Followed um, and death and Hades followed with him, and the power was given to them over the fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death. So now this is what they can deliver. So there is death, and he brings death, and by the beasts of all the earth. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. How can that be? Do you, do you know what death means? I didn't get the script. Let's have a look. Death. The Greek word is thanatros. Thanatros. And it means that separation, whether natural or violent, of the soul and the body by which the life on earth has ended. It actually means separation from God and actually banishment to hell. I'm sure I had the scripture. No. So the death that we will never taste, the death that we will never see, is actually banishment to hell forever. That's what we will never see. Surely I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste banishment to hell. Hallelujah. Will not taste it because of what God did on the cross this morning. And I just welcome the band to come back just as we now close and sing. I want you to imagine triumphant Jesus riding on his horse, having stripped the powers and the principalities of all their, of all their power as gone. The veil torn in two complete access to Father God so that we will never taste death. Hallelujah. And I want to just ask, if anybody here is afraid of death, if anybody here is fearful of death, there is no need to. It is a lie that the enemy will keep you in.
And if you do, just as we sing this closing song, I want you to come out and I want to pray for you. Because the enemy has still got you wrapped up. Jesus said that last scripture. Oh, there it is. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Let us stand and let us sing our last song. And if you are afraid of death, if you are fearful, if it is gripping you, then there is no need to be. And I want to pray for you this morning because Jesus has won it back. He won it back at the cross when he defeated Satan. Let's stand and sing.